0: your words and not mine. We thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the most common words that are muttered on a car trip from uh, when you're going on a journey from the children in the back seat are? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? yet? We've just come from, well, it seems like we just come. It's still a couple of weeks back. Uh, We came from um, Naruma, seven and a half hour trip. On Google, if you do Google's trip, the way we did it, it ended up being about 12 hours, but seven and a half hour trip, and uh, about 45 minutes in, are we there yet? Not quite, not quite. We'll we'll get there soon. When we get home, can we watch a movie? Well, it's probably going to be quite late when we get home, so probably not. So are we there yet? No. Uh, It is the common question, and the question implies, though, that there will be a destination. There's going to be somewhere that you're going to get to. However, it doesn't uh, acknowledge that there's a journey, a journey to get to the destination. Are we there yet? Is only looking at the final destination. There's no time machines or teleportation devices that can zap us from one place to the next. There's no Doctor Strange portals, if you're into the Marvel movies, that can move us from here to there without the journey to go along the, the, the way to accompany it. You know, it's been said that the journey, uh, it is the journey, not the destination, that matters. And how true it is. It's the journey that makes the end destination even more important. I just want to expand on that a little. Imagine having a goal that you're setting out to achieve. And let's say it's reading the Bible in here. Has anyone done that, read the Bible fully through in one year? Yeah, a few people. That's good. That's good. Uh, it's, it's, It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. It's, it's, it's about discipline, making sure that you're reading a, a certain amount each day because as soon as you fall behind, it gets really tough. But being able to, to read also in a way that's not just ticking a box on the list, but it's about um, seeking God in and through it. Now, you might set out to do that. You might set out to get your, you get your Bible reading plan and you get your four or five chapters a day that you set out to read. And at the end of the year, you get to the final chapter and you celebrate this great achievement that you've done, reading the whole Bible in a year. It is a doable thing. And if you haven't done it before, it's worth trying, uh, having a go at doing it. Doable. Now, imagine if I set out to do that this year. I've already missed 30 days of my, my thing, but I'm going to set out to, to catch up and to do it. And I get to March and I've missed another 30 days of it because I haven't picked up my Bible very much. And, and, and I think, but it's all right. I've still got a goal. I'll be able to read the Bible at the end of the year. And I get to December 26th this year and I still haven't started reading. And so I think it's all right. I've still got a goal to finish the year. So December 26th comes and I'm going, all right. I'm going to read it all. And I just read and read and read. I'm on holidays now. So I'm just reading and reading and reading, ticking boxes, making sure my thing's all done. And finally, on the 31st of December, I tick that final box and I say, Yes, I did it. I did it. Who do you think most likely benefited more from the experience? It's the one who's been on the journey. The one who's shown the discipline to continue the journey. The one who hasn't compromised when the going got tough. Because along the journey, the first person has been able to learn and grow, be able to reflect and enjoy the scripture. Their character's been shaped and moulded by God as they've just been going daily through the scriptures rather than cramming it at the end didn't work at uni, cramming all the exams. It's the journey that gets you to the exams. The destination is important. There's no doubt about it. The destination is important. But the way we get there is just as important. Or sometimes it's even more important, the way we get there. So for a Christian, life is a continual movement of, of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ. The goal is eternity with Christ, yes. To be made whole in his presence, yes. However, on this earth... It's a pilgrimage, a journey where the steps that we take on that journey is very much as important as the final destination. However, we know that, that life isn't just a, a straight trajectory, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's not a, a start here and by the end we'll get to there just with this straight line. It's more like the picture that you'll see on the screen now. Uh, what, what people think it might look like, and life is a little bit more like those squiggles, isn't it? It starts off here and all of a sudden it's, it's all over the shop to get to the final destination, a massive glob of squiggles. Life is full of ups and downs. And over this last two years, we've probably felt that more than ever. Sometimes the road has potholes in it. Sometimes you head down a track that you thought was going to lead you somewhere and it's a dead end. Sometimes you head down that track and you end up back at the starting point, life just doesn't play by the straight lines. You know, it might be a, a, a one poor financial decision that costs you more than you can afford. It might be the loss of a loved one that's just knocked you about. Perhaps there's some sort of family feud or family turmoil that, that's tipped you over the edge. Perhaps depression has taken hold. Life doesn't play straight lines and the journey to get to the destination can sometimes be really hard maybe you've been on that hard journey over the last few years maybe covid's knocked you around not not physically but maybe in a in a a mental health way or maybe it's a work capacity way and it's been tough the psalm that we read this morning psalm 121 is all about the journey It's all about the journey and that God is ever present on that journey. This psalm comes in a part of the psalms called the Psalms of Ascent, which is a set of 15 psalms from 100, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And many scholars believe that, that these, these were songs that were sung as worshippers sort of ascended to Jerusalem, um, to, to um, pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year. There were, there were three times in the year that, that people were called back to Jerusalem. And it says in Deuteronomy 16:16, 16, 16, it says this, Three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose." At the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Make sure you take a box of favourites, in other words. You know, the thing you take when you don't know what to take, or whatever. <laughs> it's the pilgrimage. It's what they did. They, they went on a journey to a final destination. And it's not something that I've, I often talk about in my general sort of talking. A pilgrimage. So let's go on a pilgrimage. I often talk about going on a holiday. Or I often talk about going on a retreat, even. But that's all about the destination. When we get to the holiday, I can't wait to relax. That sort of thing. However, this week, I was on a retreat um, with six other pastors. And this idea of a pilgrimage came up. And we discussed that each year, thousands of Christians, or thousands of people, not just Christians, make the trek from Canterbury in England to Rome. It's a long trip. It's called the Via Francigenia. And that's, that's it. It looks little on the page, but that's 2,000 kilometres or so, and it takes about three months. So if you've got three months to do a walk, that's one of the walks you can do. And, and they, you walk through and there's all different places that you can stop and stay, and um, specific places that are set up just for people who are on the, the journey, the pilgrimage to, to Rome, to see where the apostles were, um, to the resting place of the apostles. And the journey, that line, is just as important as the destination. In fact, Pope Benedict XVI said this of a pilgrimage. He said, to go on a pilgrimage is not simply to visit a place to admire its treasures or nature, its art or history, because that's what we do on holidays, isn't it? We go and admire these things. We go and take happy snaps and we look back on them and say, that was a great trip. He says, but to go on a pilgrimage really means to step out of ourselves in order to encounter God where He has revealed Himself, where His grace has shone with particular splendor and produced rich fruits of conversion and holiness among those who believe. Isn't that a great sort of thought as you go on a journey? It's about this, this walking with God, opening yourself to what God's doing, encountering God along the road. The final destination is an achievement. But without the pilgrimage, it's nothing more than a place to take a holiday snap. So let's dive into Psalm 120. If, if you've got Psalm 121 open, it's probably a good idea. Um, use your phones, your Bibles, if you've memorised it, even better. <laughs> I want us to, to imagine that we're going on in a pilgrimage this morning through Psalm 121, going along these small, dusty roads into Jerusalem um, for one of the three yearly uh, festivals. And as we go, we sing this song. So, so I want us all to be prepared. We're going to sing Psalm 121. Are you ready for it? All right, ready. Just with, nah, just joking. We don't know what, the, what the, <laughs> the tune would have been or anything like that. Well, if you do know, just let us know. That'd be really good. But, <laughs> but you can imagine as these people walked along, they're singing these songs. They have memorised them. It's like we can memorise songs from the 70s because we sing it all the time. We know them. And that's what these people have done. They walk along the road singing these songs to God. And this psalm, it starts with a reminder that along the road, there is going to be trouble. There's going to be hardship. Along the journey, they look up and they see these great mountains. And the response to these mountains isn't, wow, let's take a happy snap. This is beautiful. It's actually, whoa, that's a mountain. It's right there. And the immediate question is, where's my help going to come from? That's what the response to seeing these mountains. See, I love seeing mountains. I remember being on a bus traveling through the Swiss Alps when I lived in, in England, and, and they were immense. They were so big. You drive through, and this, this bus, who, which you think is big, is just so insignificantly small when you drive through these this, this amazing mountains. I was awestruck, but I was also daunted. Because it just engulfs you. Has anyone ever been through sort of the Alps? It's just incredible, isn't it? It's an amazing experience. And the psalmist seems to give us this same impression. It says, I'm looking at this mountain. Where is my help coming from? The mountains seem to be a threat for the pilgrim on the road. Some scholars believe that they could represent the location of the high places in which other gods were worshipped. The Old Testament actually talks of the, uh, the high places that were dedicated to the gods of that people group. Mount Olympus was dedicated to the god Olympus. God, small g. When the Israelites entered the Promised Land, they were told to destroy the high places. All the idols and images of the Canaanite people were to be destroyed. They were told not to worship at the high places. So that as the pilgrims moved towards Jerusalem... These surrounding mountains were ominous to them. Maybe they were more than a a, a landmark of beauty, but a, a memory of what the high places of their past were. And they cry out, Where does my help come from? I wonder if over this last year or so, you've been looking at the mountains around you, metaphorically speaking, and asking the same question where does my help come from? It's tough. There've been many mountains and many peaks that have just been hanging over us. COVID still creates so many issues. So many people in our community still isolating that that we haven't got the people back that, that maybe we had a couple of years ago. It's brought a loss of community, a loss of work, a loss of family There's many people in financial hurt. The mountains loom large. And I don't blame you for asking the same question that the psalmist is asking. Where does my help come from? And it's in these times where the mountains are closing in, the psalmist brings us comfort. We can hold on to the hope that God is with us in all of life's journeys. And we're going to unpack that through this psalm by looking at three truths about God that the psalmist brings. The first one is that God's help inspires confidence in us. God's help inspires confidence. Now, as the pilgrim sings out these, about these impending mountains, the response comes quickly in verse 2. It says, My help comes from the Lord. He knows where it's coming from, the maker of heaven and earth. The help for the weary traveler comes from God who, who made those mountains that are standing in front of him. Notice that, that the, the psalm says, you, don't, you, don't, you shouldn't fear at all. It doesn't squash the fears. The psalm, the psalm doesn't say that, that fear and doubt are invalid because our fears can be very valid. Rather, there's this sound acknowledgement that God is there to help. Yesterday morning, uh, we had a, a, a leadership retreat. Our deacons and um, pastors uh, came here and had a day together, which is wonderful. But we, we took off, off up the mountain. We sort of drove to Burke's Lookout. And I don't know if you know Burke's Lookout. If you go out the church, it was covered this morning, but um, on the hill, there's a, a big sort of um, spire, I suppose it is, a tower, the burst lookout's right there. You sort of go up the hill and, and you can actually see there. And my, my hope was that we'd go up the hill. And when, when I stepped out of the church, I could see the, the tower. I thought, this is going to be great. We're going to look out the hill and we're going to look over the area. <laughs> so we get up the hill, and, uh, and this is the view that we got. If we can go to the next slide. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> We couldn't see anything. It was so foggy. Um, this fog had covered everything. So when we first got there, we could see maybe just a couple of the houses just right down below us. And by the end of our time there, we could see nothing. So we took a photo of us overlooking the church and the community. But anyway, we stayed there and looked into the nothingness for about 15 minutes. And I asked each each of our leaders to, to listen to God at that time. I was going to say, that looks like a band cover photo, doesn't it? That's our, that's our leadership. It's like we're the next big thing (laughs) from the top of the mountain we looked into this nothingness and the overwhelming theme that came back was that whilst we can't see below god can and god does we may not always see the path ahead we may not always know what's on the other side but god can God is the Lord, He's the maker of the heavens and the earth. And it is he who knows the challenges that you are facing. It's he who sees even all, when all we see are the mountains ahead or the fog in front of us. It was he who made the heavens and the earth, yet helps even the small insignificant or seemingly insignificant me. Now one of the pilgrim calls out, and perhaps we should ask the same question, from where does my help come from? because the reply inspires a confidence in God it comes from the Lord the very same Lord who made the heavens and the earth he knows you he loves you he sent his son to die for you have confidence in our God the second thing we learn from this psalm is that God's watchfulness displays a constancy it's constant In verses three to five, we have God watching over the pilgrim on the journey. It says this He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. The Lord watches over you. As you hear that, you'll hear certain words said over and over again The Lord watches. It's not like a dad watching over the kids on a sleepy Sunday afternoon on the couch watching a movie together when the eyes start to get very droopy and the kids are all enjoying the movie and Dad's sitting there falling down further in the couch and the head finally falls asleep. Does anyone else have that problem? Uh, maybe it's just me. I thought it was a rite of passage, uh, an unwritten rite of passage that uh, goes silently down from father to father that Sunday afternoon watching movies ended up being Sunday night afternoon naps, but uh, maybe not, maybe it's just my family. <laughs> um, our Heavenly Father watches over us in a different way. Our Heavenly Father watches over the pilgrim and won't let the foot slip. I have that image that, that God's sort of there, just going, oh, I see that rock coming. Oh, I'm just going to put it there. Oh, yeah, keep walking, keep walking. Oh, that's a slippery one. We're just going to move your, that image of God is watching your every step. God preparing to readjust for you. And God watches without any sleep. In fact, three times in those verses, it's reiterated that God is watchful, and He's watchful without sleep or slumber. He's not like this little guy here. <laughs> I think he needed some sleep. <laughs> God is watchful without sleep. The the divine constancy and reliability of this watchfulness, it it brings us as the the pilgrim a a total assurance that God is always there. It's not like the disciples who were in the garden and asked to keep watch over on the garden when Jesus prays. They were like that little fellow, weren't they? They couldn't keep their eyes open. So God's help inspires a confidence in us. God's watchfulness displays his divine constancy for us. And the third thing is God's protection is totally thorough. Verses 1 to 4 answer the question of who is my help. The pilgrim will already be assured that it is God who is there to help. Yet the answer to the initial question actually continues in verses 5 to 8. In these verses, the psalmist gives us a complete assurance of protection. There's an assurance of protection against the sun. In verse 5, the Lord is your shade, and at your right hand, the sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night. I can only imagine the sun in the Middle East. It's hard enough in in Australia, isn't it? Um, It's hot when the sun hits you. And walking a dusty road, any shade is going to be an absolute blessing. So, So it's like God extends his arms. And shades us from the heat of the sun. It draws on this image of God as as eagle. In Psalm 91 verse 4 it says, He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find your refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. What a beautiful image, visual image of of a, a, a mother eagle just spreading her wings over her little ones to find shelter from the hot sun. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. God's protection extends not only by day, but into the night. It comes back to that idea that God never sleeps. God never slumbers. I know it's at night that the little ones might find it a bit scary in their own bed. And Kyra sometimes will, will come out of bed and say, Oh, something, I heard a noise. I don't want to go into my bedroom now because it's dark. But we who know the Lord, who never sleeps or slumbers, can have that confidence. We can have the confidence to sleep because our God is our watchman. His protection moves from this physical time, the day and night, to a a different time now. God will keep you from all harm. He will protect you and he'll watch over all and every aspect of your life. And in verses 7 eight, in our coming and going... Now and forever, God will be our refuge. The psalm covers all bases of God's protection over the faithful person on the journey of life. Not just those who make it to the destination, but those who are on the journey. So for the pilgrim on the journey of faith, you and I, we're all on a spiritual journey of some sort. Maybe you've been walking this road for a long time, but maybe you're just new to the journey Maybe you're just hearing about this journey for the first time today. Maybe you've turned online and and stumbled across us and you're going, I want to know a little bit more. But this pilgrimage towards becoming whole in Christ is not one that, like I said before, has a straight trajectory. It's full of dangers and trials. Around every corner there's another temptation. There's another hardship or struggle to deal with. It's easy to to take our eyes off Christ and put our eyes on the things that we think will help us. It's not an easy journey, but we can be assured on that journey that God will answer our cries for help. We can have the confidence in him who never sleeps. We can rest in the constancy of God and we can be assured of his thorough protection. So as I close, I want to ask you a question. Are you traveling this faith journey as a spiritual pilgrim? Or are you traveling it as a spiritual tourist? What's the difference? As a tourist, I'm given the luxury of sitting back and allowing others to take my luggage. I'm having others drive me from place to place. And I get there and the sights are exciting. And it's all about what I want. It's a passive and result-driven space where the destination is the thing that we're really living for. The journey to get there is not really on our radar because someone else is doing that part for us. The spiritual tourist is the same. They live for the destination rather than the journey. I wonder in your faith journey at the moment, are you a spiritual tourist? Just happy to come on the Sunday look online, but not really want to engage too much, using the excuses that we sometimes give. Because for the spiritual pilgrim, it's the one who is walking the road on a daily basis. You've got the burden of your luggage on you, your own stuff. You're getting blisters on your feet. You're feeling the fatigue in your legs. You're seeing the mountains on all sides. It's hard. And you're crying out, Where will I find my help? Because no one's coming to pick up my luggage. But it's on the road, on that pilgrimage, that God shows Himself and provides the help that the pilgrim needs to journey through the mountains into. The place where God wants us. There were two men who were walking home after a really disappointing outing where their hopes and dreams weren't realised. They had been to see the one they had presumed to be the Messiah. The Saviour who was going to redeem their people. But they watched him crucified. It was a long, slow walk home and a stranger joined them for the walk. They explained all that was happening to the stranger. And for the rest of the journey, the stranger explained all the scriptures that pointed to why this would be the Messiah. When they made it home, they said, We need to know more. And they asked him to stay with them, not realizing who this stranger was until he broke some bread. That journey along the Emmaus Road was necessary. I wonder if they'd caught the uber equivalent of those times back home, whether they would have seen who Christ was in front of them. Because their response to having their eyes open was this. They asked each other, this is in Luke 24, 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They knew something was going on on the journey. God was revealing himself to them on the journey. They needed that long walk home to listen to the words of Christ. So when they finally got to their destination, they were ready for that revelation. In 2022, I'd love for us as a church, whether you're here physically or whether you're at home, to be a church of pilgrims, taking the journey of faithful, daily Christ-like living, in the assurance that God's goodness and grace is here for you. We can keep an eye on the destination, but we're not bypassing the way to get there because the spiritual journey is as important as getting to the final destination. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for this psalm that encourages us, that gives us hope for our future. But God, as we... Head towards that hope. May we not take our eyes off the the journey ahead. May we look around and see what you are doing in the midst of, of our journey. That God, you are looking out for us through the trials and the hardships. You are ever present, never leaving nor forsaking us. So God, we give you thanks for your word. Encourage us to walk well.